to Big Red Couch, the podcast about making role-playing games. A group of GMs and players draw ideas from the mystery box and bring their game pitches to you. Welcome, loyal listener, to episode 143 of the Big Red Couch. My name is Ben, and joining me on the couch tonight is my amazing co-host, the amazing ho- co-host couldn't be here. I'm filling in. It, it's just a thing. Ah, come on. You've been stuck through this for at least 142 episodes. Except for the one where you're mortally injured due to acts of Gen Con. So, that, yeah. That's fair. I mean, that, that's probably just acts of... Okay, I was going to say acts of intestine, but that sounds way worse. That sounds yes. like a really awful puppet show. <laughs> oh, good grief. It's, we're... <laughs> already left the rails folks it's it's been me a second wonderful how are you craig how how are the intestines the intestines are good i chatted to them last week lovely people <laughs> reginald and dorothy intestine yeah reginald and dorothy intestine uh, lovely people i mean obviously we we chat at a distance because social distancing is still very much a thing because uh, here in the uk uh, coronavirus is still very much a thing unlike the um Marvellous paradise it is New Zealand, apparently. Yeah, it's still kind of soggy, but you know. Yes, at this stage we apparently have conquered the evil invading virus, and now we should get out there and spend money and welcome film crews with open arms have recently, which have recently arrived from America, which I might abstain from doing for some time. As I understand it, they are still enforcing the quarantine thing? I would freaking hope so, because... Mm. It would be, Craig, I'm sure you'll agree with me that New Zealanders have a certain parochial pride. If you see something which is like an article about blah, 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 New Zealand, blah, 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 it's like, ooh, what's going on there? Because, you know. Because we don't get mentioned that often, and the whole maps without New Zealand is very much a thing. It is. It's kind of hilarious, but it is very much a thing. Yes. It's like being a flyover state with no one flying over. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it would feel, especially given the various gratuities extended to uh, filmmakers in the past, and the fact that some of them may have permanently deformed uh, labour laws, it would be nice not to have a similar sort of accommodation kill people through virulent plague. I mean, presumably these people are all nine feet tall, blue cat furries so then the biology is completely different to ours but you know still we don't want to yeah, i mean they still risk. have lungs so, they do yeah. they do should we maybe unpack that a little bit <laughs> it's the avatar films it's james cameron and his weird dances with smurfs, smurfs. thing yeah 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 pocahontas dances with smurfs it's the whole thing yes i i have actually for for a variety of, of reasons did look into what the deal was with Entering New Zealand, in this case, as a citizen, but you know, in general. And uh, in general, it was, well, we're going to test you. And if you test positive, you go to one hotel for a couple of weeks of lockdown uh, and possibly a, a lovely stay in a hospital. And if you don't test positive, well, you go to a different hotel for a couple of weeks of lockdown because we're not taking any chances. That appeared to be the, the mm. gist of it, with the result that if I were to, to make a trip to New Zealand at the current point, Assuming that it was even possible. You would see the inside of said lovely hotel room one yeah. way or the other. <laughs> I would be trading a relatively small half-bedroom apartment. Like, legally speaking, it's a studio, but I think that's just because there isn't a window in the bit that the bed lives in. But, yeah, I would be trading an apartment for a hotel room, which really isn't an improvement. Functionally, you would you would not be socially closer to anyone you might be visiting so yep you have to factor that in indeed in fact i would be socially further away on the grounds that at the current point you're allowed to at least in the uk meet up with people at a safe distance in parks and that kind of thing which has Hmm. been quite pleasant also the um uk's wildlife has grown accustomed to the um the various bipedal creatures not being around and so uh, at various times, there were squirrels and once a rat. Okay. Fascinating. No foxes? I did see one mooching around on the lawn of my place. Oh. One of, one of my um, consistent Twitter followers is an account called Owly Foxes. 
So every hour you get a picture of a fox. And it's it's a good way to mark time. Make sure that, you know, if you've, if you've gone back 20 foxes, you've probably... Um, if you, you could generally tell by, like, the fox to outrage ratio what's going on in the world. Um, huh. And, you know, so it's just nice to see foxes. But uh, they're cool. I, I, I'm liking the idea of setting up something like that on my work laptop. Sort of a, every every hour I get a picture of a fox, which reminds me to, like, stand up and walk around my very tiny flat a bit. <laughs> true, true. You could work it mm. into a screensaver or some sort of thing. Something, some sort of malevolent jump scare to keep your heart going. And speaking of malevolence... <laughs> See what we did there. At malevolent soonness, even. So, the topic, outside of our regular plague and precipitation banter, is... Oh god, I forgot to mention the weather. Damn it! Oh, never mind. <laughs> that topic that we will get into before the, uh, the weather meandering starts is malevolent immediacy, which I am led to understand is my own... Finely crafted wordplay. Coffer him. Gag. <laughs> well, you, you, you're good at the pithy comments. Yeah. I mean, I believe you once described the sport of curling as a combination of darts and tidying up. I think light housework, but, you know. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Actually, it's pretty vigorous housework if you if you uh, judge by the um, the broom action, but yes. God, I hope that's a phrase that never comes up in, um, <laughs> in curling commentary. Oh, look at that broom action there. No. No, I won't. I will never do that thing. <laughs> you cannot. Well, it's, it's hardly going to be better in any other context. <laughs> you make a very valid point there. Okay, anyway, so malevolent immediacy. Indeed, indeed. So, it, despite it being my um, pithicism, um, I have Practically a... Practically certain that's not a word. <laughs> I'm calling the people at Webster's right now. <laughs> you can't stop me. <laughs> Nobody yeah. can. I've got to write to the dictionary people. <laughs> feels wrong. I have a very vague idea. Again, tediously heavily influenced by the game I'm playing. Absolutely. I, I, I tend to pick up the influences that are striking me at the moment. Very weather vein like in that way and, and tend to be going with whatever is whatever I'm interacting with. Which is good for this sort of show. It's better than the sponge analogy I was working on, so let, let's go with the weather vein thing. I hesitate to, to, to delve any further. <laughs> Oh, it's just that you, you, you soak up what's around you like a sponge, and so when you squeeze, you, when we when we squeeze you, what comes out is blades in the dark. Yeah, true, true. That is that is pretty much how it works in in in, in around Duskwell. So, but with a, with a vein sounds better. And, indeed, and gets indeed. in that whole meteorological thing. So, yeah. Oh, nice, nice. Aha. So, it, it's I don't have a very clear idea, but also it happens to be vaguely influenced by blades in the dark. So, I'm sorry. <laughs> how did that strike you? I I have an idea for that in very standard by this point Craig form. I came up with an idea. I thought of a couple of different ways you could kind of cut that idea, and I came up with a basically a way of dropping it into a game, a, a game a game that you could play it mm-hmm. using it. That did not seem grammatically correct at all. Yeah, I'm. I can confess I'm lost on that one. You want to take another crack at the. Uh, so, so, yeah, starting that one again. Yes, I've got an idea. Uh, in typical Craig fashion, I came up with a couple of different ways that you could play that idea as sort of overarching notions. And then I came up with sort of here is a specific game for this idea. Right. So as a as a modular addition or as an actual system or campaign idea? I, I think as a, um, as a plot line or... or are modules still a thing, incidentally? I mean, I know they are for, uh, like, Pathfinder and Starfinder and the miscellaneous... Um, Finders. I'm assuming they're still there for Dungeons & Dragons. It's sort of a live world, like... I know there there is a term for effective uh, organized yeah, play. Living campaign. Thank you, living campaign. Um, yeah, I know they're, they're a thing for living campaigns. Are, are they still a thing for games? In different formats. I mean, the okay. Fate of Cthulhu has been uh, oh, yeah. releasing the various terrible fates that are happening to the world, and you get to address the different terrible fates. Functionally, they are different modules, because if they were happening like, in one big timeline, that doesn't seem right. <laughs> so, um, yeah, yeah, there, there's, there's different ways of approaching it. Okay. I, I did listen to a... Um, a- Fate of Cthulhu actual play where they were doing the King in Yellow 
horrible disease one, I started mm. listening to this as lockdown occurred. Walking along a deserted canal path, listening to the horrifying uh, stories of the outbreak of disease. Yeah. It, added, it, it was atmospheric as fuck. So much atmosphere. Indeed, indeed. You want you, you always want your um, podcast to be enhanced. Really, give that that extra sense of frisson by global calamity. Pandemics. Yeah. Mm. Nice. Anyway, so yes, okay, so yeah, this would this would be the 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 module that you would drop into an existing game. In this mm-hmm. case, probably Time Watch. Okay, let's hear about it then. To me, the phrase "malevolent immediacy" sounds like a slang term. For a government department. The Department of Malevolent Immediacy. Okay. I'm not hearing a you sunk my battleship, so thank God for that. No, no, it's just thinking it's like, it's no more horrifying than like human resources or whatever. Was it the, um, was it the worker capital resources or whatever somebody was referring to potential future corpses as? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, the, the hope is that nobody would actually call a government department the Department of Malevolent Immediacy. Presumably it's the nickname. Hopefully it's an unkind nickname. Uh, depends how close to the bone you're running the game. I mean, they may be very aware that they are spooky. Well, that's pretty much where I was going, because, yeah, I was thinking of it, okay, it really has to start with M and I, so the Department of Moral Intervention. Hmm. This is borrowing heavily from uh, the movie Minority Report. hmm Crime prevention has become so good that the Department of Moral Intervention can reliably be on site before the crime begins, maybe by its modelling, maybe its surveillance, maybe its spooky psychic powers, maybe it's time travel. However, unlike the movie... um, Yes, it was Minority Report. That's the Tom Cruise one. That is. The Mel Gibson one was Conspiracy Theory? Yes. Yeah, the Department of Moral Intervention view arresting somebody for a crime they are yet to commit as a failure. So in, in the in the movie, they're sort of arresting somebody, hopefully just before they commit a crime, and imprisoning them for something that they've only just thought of doing. The, the, the Department of Moral Intervention is more about sitting down on a park bench beside the would-be grocery store robber and asking, so what's going on? How do we help? It's more of a, a social worker approach than anything else, because they want you to they want you to be a better person. Specifically, they want you to be the better person who doesn't rob that grocery store, and they perhaps, depending on how far into their their modelling and predictions go, they're definitely doing it so that you don't eventually become the criminal that causes the First National Bank of Arkansas massacre in three years' time. Hmm. It's sort of it's it's not even the sort of the fence at the top of the cliff rather than the ambulance at the bottom. It's the checkpoint three miles down the road, and so that's. That's the basic idea. They are a a, a government organisation that is designed, set up with the intention of stopping crime before it happens and taking kind of a long view of that one. So it's almost stopping criminals before they happen. So the nasty version. This is the one where almost everybody would refer to them, presumably, as the Department of Malevolent Intermediacy because they are the assholes who just turn up with this evil grin at the worst moment of your life. Um, so in practice, they're horrifyingly corrupt. They will turn up and ruin somebody's life if they don't do what they're told. They'll look the other way for a cut of the hall, and their opponents have a distressing tendency to commit huge amounts of pre-crime. It's weird how that works out. Hmm. The nice version of and I mean that one that one is reasonably easy to see how to fit into the game. Hey look, it's the antagonists. How do, you, how do you go about doing your thing when these guys are around? The nice version, maybe that's actually... You know, maybe they actually work to try to make you be a better person. They are actually these warm-hearted social workers. I mean, presumably if you are absolutely committed to your life of crime or your activity or whatever, well, then they will reluctantly taser you and drag you away somewhere. But that's the last resort, not the first one. Hmm... I'm less clear on how you fit a game into that one, because the immediate thought is, okay, so I've set up this obviously utopian situation. Clearly that cannot be allowed to stand, so obviously there's something rotten at the core of it. So those those are sort of the two takes on it. 
my my specific game pitch, which actually sort of borrows from a a thing that I was chatting about with um, former for, former guest on the show Gulo T a few years back. Um, this fits into a Time Watch game, which is a, a time travel-y game from Pelgrane Press, I believe. Mm-hmm. And has, as you'd expect, the, as the, the core campaign, the players are agents of time, of, of some agency that, that deals with time and time irregularities. So they sort of spot from someplace in the future, something's going weird. Something's going really weird in London. Specifically, Victorian London. Something odd's happening here. And sort of people from sort of doing, doing work later in the timeline are finding it's actually difficult to get past that area of time or to get into that area. There's something is kind of bubbling it off. And so naturally you send some people to investigate. And what you've got is a circumstance. And for a little bit of, of time watch backstory, one of the things that can happen with time travel paradox, because you cannot have a time travel game without some level of, hey, paradox screws with you, because why would you bother? Something that can happen is that if the paradox gets too bad, your time traveler can just basically be completely absorbed by whatever is going on at in that place. They become just a seamless part of the time that they've ended up in. They don't remember being anything other than somebody who lives there. So my thinking is, a time agent got into some trouble and got mostly absorbed by Victorian London. Hmm. But a little bit remained. Just enough to sort of think about time travel, think about the idea of fixing things, come up with the idea of fixing things, but not really getting the whole don't fuck with the timeline bit. And so you've got you know, the idea of the, the, the image of this sort of somewhat menacing figure looming out of the uh, out of the fog ideally wearing like a bowler hat with this this band of very tightly interwoven clockwork gears because that just looks cool turning up to stop a crime from occurring or stop a criminal from ever starting and these guys are everywhere it's all the same guy hmm. desperately trying to 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 make everything perfect and in the process just fucking it all up for everybody because rather than, you know, they were they were sent there to complete a task. They need to fix the problem. However, their their brain their brain has been Victorianized enough that they know that all of these filthy criminals need to be stopped, and they just happen to have a temporal bowler hat for which they can be everywhere at once. Yeah. To do there, so. there's sort of there's there's presumably at this point hundreds of versions of them roaming around London as the department, the, the self, yeah, self-declared Department of Moral Intervention. I kind of like the idea of them refer, being referred to as the TikTok men, but that's just me. And yeah, I mean, it's possible that they've cottoned on to because why would you not go with Jack the Ripper? That they're desperately trying to stop Jack the Ripper. They have no idea who the Ripper is, so they're just trying to stop every bit of crime until they get the right one. Hmm. Who knows what they were actually sent back to do? Maybe they already did it. Hmm. So this one would be sort of part... For, for the Time Watch game, it's part intervention, part investigation, quite a bit of detective work to figure out, okay, what actually caused this. It's entirely possible, because it would be quite hilarious to do, that this time traveler has absolutely no idea. If you want to, if you want to play with, play with it a bit, this time traveler has absolutely no idea that it's just them. They think hmm. there is this agency of hundreds of, of TikTok men. It's actually just them over and over again, but they don't recognize it. So presumably it's a mask involved. Mm. <laughs> and they're sufficiently out of sync with themselves to understand. Mm. They saw one from their own future and haven't associated the fact that that might not have happened yet. Mm. So that, that was the idea for that one. Okay. Hmm. Yeah, the, 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 the things that you've pulled up there are a little bit... Having the initial thing of be the the bad guys being basically corrupt time cops sounds like a a pretty significant challenge for any any party in any game. Corrupt time cops, or possibly just 
corrupt psychic cops. Yeah, they've got they've got information about, and and what's more, they 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 use their um their foreknowledge to lean on those committing crimes, but not making the situation any better. Mm. In fact, one could argue making it worse. Actually, I should like to point out that idea was written down over a month ago. Yep, I was wondering. I just want to throw that out there. All-time cops are bastards. Yeah, I can see, <laughs> but it just occurred to me now, because like, I, I wrote that down like over a month ago and then just basically opened up the book today. I can kind of see that it has some unpleasant parallels at the current point. And by kind of see, I mean it has some really unpleasant parallels at the current point. Yeah. Uh, probably wouldn't want to touch that at the moment or indeed for some time. Yes. Yeah. The the idea that they were possibly massively over-organized and invasive social assistance is interesting because, well you want to make these things available to people and this would you know counteract the fact that rather than having militarily grade armed police officers to protect multi multi um, national businesses outlets as opposed to actually helping people live healthy and prosperous lives in the first place it does sound better but if you wanted to work that in as being an issue in a game it might actually turn out what could turn out to be rather than just saying it, like here we can help you tell us what you need and rather than turning up what they're doing is they're actually interrupt in, interfering with people's free will to a degree if there is some overarching idea that free will is what keeps humans being human or the the it's a functionally part of the the engine of the universe maybe the fact that they're kind of jumping in and going aha you need some assistance at these these critical instants where something was supposed to be decided instead it's that entirely metaphysical garbage because of course somebody was deciding to do that as well but i was wondering if that is an idea that rather than it being the sinister oh oh no these dreadful socialists are helping people they must be stopped um it's in some it's in some ways having a unintended side effect of curtailing it, it, it's kind of the it's kind of a, a a another take on the sort of dreadful libertarian kind of idea that oh everyone must be given a, the equal equal opportunities inverted commas otherwise the, the, they will become uh, lazy and they will uh, and they will bludge off the state it's like you if you go over the other literally fantastically over the other side you're interfering with their ability to make choices when they need to. But still, I'm, it, it's, it's icky. i got to say, I'm, I'm, I'm a little... It's an interest... Well, it, certainly it's, it's the only way I can think of of actually doing the warm, fluffy version, because the warm, fluffy version just, in and of itself, sounds boring as game. Well, it's, it, there's no conflict. Yeah, it, there needs to be some conflict. But you, you turn up... You give the person the, the 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 asthma medication or the pamphlet about the community college or whatever that they need, and you go. Was that a Moby video? I don't know. I haven't seen a Moby video in about a billion years. I'll I'll, I'll put it in. I'm pretty I'm pretty confident there is a a Moby music video that is all about uh, this kind of thing. Well, if we if we're pitching a game which is summed up in a Moby music video, clearly it's got to be somehow evil. <laughs> <laughs> Hey! Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> Which can double down. Okay, no, no, no. The, the leaping bald um, electro- electronic artist. <laughs> electronic vegan. <laughs> Electro- okay. <laughs> There's a phrase. The electronic vegan. Is, that is definitely a phrase. <laughs> cool, cool, cool. Oh, it occurs that, yeah, you're, you, well, the notion that, yeah, the notion that by trying by by trying to make this perfect society because yeah you could you can definitely sort of pitch this as the what's the phrase the fully automated luxury gay space going utopia yeah to to a deg- to a degree it's it's a bit more it's a bit more it has a more big brothery vibe to it because it's so pervasive yeah and, and it has this this creepy foreknowledge thing it strikes me as the sort of situation that would be entertaining to to introduce outsiders into. Hmm. So you could either 
again yeah. with the time travelly bit because apparently that's what my brain is stuck on. You, know, you can have the whole thing of of basically this this completely stagnating, you know, very pleasant and very nice, but completely stagnating society. Yeah, or one that is threatened by something. They've solved all of the problems that are caused by people having needs, uh, unfulfilled needs and so forth, and everyone is free to do what they want, and they've got all the support, but there is a problem that's outside of that scope that unfortunately giving them everything they require to be happy has kind of blinded them. It's still, it seems like a, it seems like a ghastly conservative parable, though. Oh, yeah. <laughs> One... Well, yeah, you could 100% turn it into that. Hmm. If, it, if it's not already halfway there. There's a series of books, I think by um, Philip Jose Farmer, called Dayworld, or mm. the Dayworld series. Yep. And the notion the notion behind that was that as a, um, effectively as kind of a resource management measure, the population is divided up by days. Everybody only gets one day a week. They are effectively not alive they are in hibernation mm. for yeah. the other six days and, it, and it's 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 like perfect stasis it's is it stoning stoning that was it yeah it's yeah, kind yeah. of like you could scratch you could maybe scratch somebody with a diamond but you'd, you'd blunt the diamond kind of thing yeah yeah they're they're completely inert so they're not time is even passing for them effectively so they get as much time as anyone else it just happens to be divided into regular sleep patterns of every states yeah and one of one of the criticisms in that one was that basically by by doing that you have effectively slowed your rate of progress to a seventh yeah well but you may be maybe never not notice yeah no, not that you're not 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 that anyone would see it. it was it becomes it became wrought with conflict when somebody figured out how to live seven times faster by mm. breaking by breaking out of their um their their stasis and presumably having um, unorthodox family relationships over the course of a week, because presumably they had... From memory of that book? Yeah. Yeah. It got unorthodox. Mm, also, there mm. were a lot of mannequins. Fair enough. <laughs> Never a good sign, however. Yeah, mannequin, sex doll, where is this bit going? Um, so, yeah, you've got the... Yeah, you've got the stagnating society aspect... You've got the big brother aspect. Yeah, I was kind of pushing it even further to make that make this this, this metaphysical thing was like if you if you had the, the system tooled up tuned up too highly that you were actually kind of interrupting people's natural development. Not just of ah, oh, are you sad here, have an ice cream kind of thing. It's like you're actually just interrupting them their ability to make choices because these things just keep coming at them when they're supposed to be making the choices. Because otherwise that would be the moment where reality diverged or they had elected to become this very slightly different sort of person. It's the ultimate helicopter parent. Yes, pretty much. And that would be that could be a, a, a parable for a help people, but don't just erase their ability their their own free agency, I guess is the thing. Mm. So that's, that's kind of interesting, and especially if if, push, if you push to the fact that somehow that tiny electrical snap when a person goes, I will do the good thing, or I will do the shitty thing, there's actually significant somehow in the functioning of the universe or humans as a species or something. And it's like, oh, someone's actually just kind of has figured out how to harvest or deny the stuff being produced. And that is what the what the uh, this is this is their motivation, rather than uh. other than helping people. They've taken this to such an extreme that they're accomplishing something like that. It's still fraught, and I think there's lots less goofy stuff that you could probably think of. Yeah, I, I quite like the idea of the um, cog hat Jack <laughs> L- just just in, in in gibbering, overlapping waves starting to fill up, you know, the, this Victorian London with these baffled steampunk time agents. Yeah, that could be interesting as a, especially as a slightly, I guess the, 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 the issue would be, okay, we need to find one and somehow figure what was the event that pulled them out of interacting with time in a mildly rational fashion and undo that. Because you 
couldn't chase, even with time travel, you couldn't chase down somebody who is like just xeroxing themselves by accident. Yeah, you you, you couldn't you couldn't find the original you mm. by by tracing back through the chain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so presumably, gotta... if this person is also a bit of a well, a bit of an inventor or something like that, because yeah, why not turn all the dials up to maximum? The setting is going to get weirder and weirder as you go along because. Mm. Because they are completely unaware of the consequences of this repeated time travel loop, I suspect your setting is going to get more and more weirdly steampunk and will have always been like that as you go along. So you're going to start off with sort of standard standard London fog and, and hackney carriages, but eventually you've got the steam fog and the coal fog and the, um, the automated walking machines. And all mm. of this has always been there. Because they keep... Because they keep introducing stuff earlier and earlier. And they keep ta- and they keep going, all right, what, wait a minute, I didn't successfully find the, mis- the miscreant I was looking for. I know, I'll go back to Tuesday last November, and I'll, t- I'll try again, and I will take my new invention with me. And just keep, l- just layer after layer after layer after layer of... <laughs> Yeah. madness basically it's yeah, yeah it's that um that sort of yeah that bumpy section of flooring that when you pull up the carpet you realize that just everybody previous to you just put stuff over the problem and mm. now the problem is so far down under so many layers of rotten whatever they could find that mm. you're not even sure you can even see it it may not be there anymore well yeah it, it, it's the um why do you run this this particular function here it doesn't seem to have any effect see what happens when you don't put it there <laughs> yeah oh lord oh, oh god yeah, how do we make the clatter stop um, yeah, yeah we put the function back in yeah it's simple as that no one knows why it works it just does i've got some code like that at work yeah i didn't write it nobody at the current point nobody actually wrote it it's been passed from developer developer to developer over the year and it's got to the point where it's just I refuse to delete anything from that code anymore unless I can absolutely prove it has to happen because mm. nobody has any idea how this damn thing works anymore. Yes, it is. It, it's, it has entered the realm of magic. Functionally, yes. It's like it's it's the it's the house of cards. But if you remove the wrong card, the number on the card ceases to exist. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not not the, not the, the the house of cards. Who who knows? The reality just fails on you. Yeah. Okay. That that, that is slightly less contentious um, yeah. in this particular thing. Uh, at, this, at this moment in history, you would steer away from massive overreach by um, functionally untouchable police. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's going to be a uh, unless you're uh, driving. Solidly towards the, the the shores of satire, I would uh, stay away from that. So, well, to be blunt, if there is a game to be made about that, and I suspect there is, I feel it is not a game that should be made by two white guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. All right, I feel much more comfortable with how uncomfortable my game idea is going to make role players. So we should probably come <laughs> carry on with that. <laughs> okay, let's let's do that now that we've done whatever the hell that just was um what have you what have you got please all right please drag us out of this having a thought about it and and thought about the idea of level intermediacy i would i want the idea i'd like to do is work that into a game the actual game systems themselves and having having run through you know eras of 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 records for the way you record how characters written down is basically the character sheet being a document of the various stats and skills and so forth and Evolving slightly into it, also recording mechanical things and having in the age and in, in, in the eras where you've had dots, and especially coming up to things like um, Apocalypse World, yada yada, where you're often filling up tracks and then refreshing them, doing some uh, triggering another mechanic, and then using those tracks over and over, rather than it being like a finite thing that you are like between one and ten on. So it being so rather than something being slowly slowly incremented, it's something that cycles through. I was thinking about that. I'm also thinking about ten candles. Okay. And I was wondering if you would be able to make a game where 
in, in the manner of things like Apocalypse World and the like, your character is less about what you write on the sheet and more about what you strike out. And the notion that what you are doing and your activities and options actually are reduced and finite within the structure of your character sheet. You actually strike a mighty blow against against the strongest foe in the battle. And that is, that, is on, that is a section of your character sheet, and that is a statement, and you get to use that the number of times it's on your character sheet. Okay. And the notion, the notion is that as you are... It's kind of like the, like the, the reverse character building in something like Siren, or any sort of game where you kind of discover your character. But basically, the, every time you take an action of a certain type, and this would be a layout challenge of immense proportions, you're basically, you're basically allying yourself with a section of the activities in the character sheet. You're, you're more, you are more solidly defining your character. But the other issue is that you cannot, you have a finite number of actions. They're actually down your character sheet, and you're actually whittling away the things you can do so that, you know, you may only ever strike a mighty blow against the, the strongest opponent in, in the battle once. And there will be other, you know, things that you can do more than once, but they'll be relatively minor. And you've got to kind of work up to those really defining things. But in doing so, you're also kind of closing other doors. You're, you're electing to do things. And the idea is, but also, you are condemning yourself to a degree. You are... You are basically expending those critical moments, those those you know those light those light bulb moment choices that I was talking about a little while ago, as currency. They're actually the things written on your character sheet are fundamentally who you, who your character will be defined as at the end of the game. This is something that came out of Blaze the Dark, blah blah, um, and the way that your your members of your crew are awarded stash when the crew levels up. And you can use stash as currency, but you also need to have some stash when your character finally is too shaken or distraught or damaged to go forward to see how well they actually survive beyond their life of crime. So the idea that the next thing that you do counts. There's no, I hit the goblin, I hit the goblin, I hit the goblin. It's all narratively and mechanically essential it's all important because you can only do those things a number of times but each time you do you define the character to, to a degree well I, I mean i have some ideas as to how to design the character sheet but that's just me because i'm kind of picturing this web of things you can do in little boxes linked with lines mm. but once a box is crossed out and yeah presumably there is your you in the center once the box is cut crossed out it it can't be traversed so anything anything beyond that box isn't isn't accessible down that line anymore maybe there's another line that get to it, gets to it but mm. maybe there isn't so you do enough of the i mm. strike a, a mighty blow against this i do that i do the other you do a few of those you've cut out the the connecting links and suddenly there's a chunk of your character sheet you can't get to anymore yeah Is that kind of model what you're thinking of yeah yeah and and to and it may be that you know you, if you if you do if you have a, a bunch of combat style things that maybe you once you've completed the 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 first few you you it also opens up and connects through to a section with more mighty combat style things but you're really kind of pigeonholing yourself there you're really committing to going into that yeah so no, mm. no I think you're I think from my very vague explanation you are getting something from it which I'm. It's very edifying. Thank you. Because yeah, um, presumably, sort of flipping it around, if you go with the, you, know, you go with the, you know, you've got various sneaky stuff. You, know, you do mm. a few sneaky things, and you've cut off the big flashy combat stuff. But maybe you open the door to cooler sneaky things mm. at the expense of. Yeah, I would want not to be purely uh, fighter thief, cleric mage, but. 
Oh yeah, those are just the the the, the yeah. really easy examples I can think oh, yeah. of. The, the, yeah. The, the, yeah, the the established tropes of Phytor and Claire Eck. Uh. <laughs> yes, but the idea that you're wizard. Um, yeah, probably <laughs> with three Zs. The the idea that you're but the idea that you are the 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 malevolent immediacy is like yes woohoo I do a thing strike so you you kind of got a ten candles vibe of yeah I I really want to be doing this thing because fundamentally I have only got this this many mighty sword swings before I have to choose something else and maybe there are even what would be considered disadvantages or negative traits or unwelcome outcomes or something like that that allow you to do other things it would take a lot of working out but the idea that you you took you rather a character sheet where you go and 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 start like filling in dots and the dots get higher or you you write the number and then you oh you level up and you rub the number out and you add you add one to the number and so forth was this thing you're basically going around just starting to strike out bits of your character sheet and that was end up basically to a degree it's not quite chisel. It is maybe a little chiseling away the marble to reveal the statue kind of thing. That's pretty cool, and it puts me. Uh, well, I guess it had me wondering. There is the game um, Do Pilgrims of the Flying Temple, hmm. which has as its mechanic this whole drawing black and white uh, stones from a from a box, and part of the progression advancement continuation mechanic hmm. is the balance between those stones which does make me wonder you know sort of more black more white perfect balance in all things um but it does make me wonder whether the same approach whether the same approach is possible in this that if you are really really careful with the stuff you do is this a circumstance where, by, by incredibly careful management of, of the things you do, you don't close off any of those um, any of those pathways, but you, I guess you also don't open up any new ones? Mm. Yeah, I guess you really need to match the setting and the tone of the, the um, thing oh, yeah. to being in this sort of vein. Because it would be relatively self-contained, A, because you are, you are destroying your character sheet as you go, it doesn't feel like a long-term campaign game, unless I'm missing something, no. Well, I guess it depends how big the sheet of paper is, but no, we'll, we'll work on the basis that we're, we are, <laughs> our lifespans are A4 in in um, in length, and we will work from there. I live my life an A4 sheet at a time. <laughs> yeah, so you'd, you'd want to make the setting quite fraught, desperate, and you're trying to accomplish this important thing before time runs out, or... You know, you or basically you you are you are exhausted or to a degree too discreetly anchored to what who you are. So that's kind of a make sort of coming up with the setting for that is going to be interesting. Something something quite curious. Something possibly really. So it would be a story about self self definition to a degree, and you might start off with really nebulous forms mm. characters that become that, that that become something so you could you could play it yeah there are also of vague ideas i can think of some literary settings that it would work for mm-hmm. though they would they would probably work better as a longer term campaign but there is i think i probably mentioned it before there's a series of books by uh, michael scott rohan i think starting with probably chase the morning it's basically the the idea that the the modern world is kind of this one stable bit of the universe and that the further out you go and this is very metaphysical the further out you go Mm -hmm. you sort of you know you you sit you you set sail from the right dock at the right time and you sail through the air and you find places that are quite different Mm. and the notion being that if you sort of spend spend enough time away from the, the, the fixed real world, it sort of starts to pair away at you until you become more and more of the sort of the core of your being. Okay. And so there's one one of the characters, because you know, the entire setting, I suspect, comes from somebody who really, really wants to write a story about pirates. 
but wanted to put modern day characters into it and also wanted to a certain extent to have flying pirate ships. A valiant cause. And so they they came up with a way of doing it. Um, but yeah, there is the, um, the the master of the gun deck on one of these ships and you know, sort of somebody makes a comment of, okay, I mean, look at this guy. He's, he's halfway there already. You come back in 500 years, there will be nothing left of him but this smell of, of gunpowder and a spark in the darkness and people will be making offerings to to this guy before going into battle. That kind of thing. Someone has doubled down on doubling down and is definitely a um, a bit of a bit one track minded. Pretty much, and that's kind of what this is putting me in the mind of that if you if you sort of continued with this and if your your sheet of paper was big enough, that mm. presumably you would end up with sort of the you could do these really awesome things, but in one very, very limited area. Or as part of your um, approaching this kind of apotheosis as gunpowder dude, you, you you acquire some interesting things as you go. Yeah, mm. no, that's, that's interesting. Uh, regrettably, the setting that sprung to mind for me would be that of I have no mouth and I must scream. Wow. Way to bring in the downer, dude. <laughs> Because yeah, it's kind of it, it. So as you say, the 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 pairing away, the sort of this 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 funneling of and it you know it, it's mostly in the in the the video game and the um the book the implication that this this vengeful computer has taken away people's has left them their autonomy, but put them in hideous situations or taken away bits of their humanity to such a degree. Mm. But you're still, you still have a goal. You still have to bring down Am. It, in the video game, really, it doesn't. It kind of happens in the story, but it's a pyrrhic victory at best. Mm. And yeah, it's something that's something that is. It also has that that fantastical edge to it. So it is a. It is a characters writ large kind of idea. Yeah, it's 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 something pushed pushed the front. I mean, role playing games are often archetypal, but this is kind of like building an archetype as you go. Yeah, that one is the one that I think is going to go at the the top shelf of things that need to be considered and possibly reworked for other situ- uh, situations. But yeah, it's like where, where you where you, the first the place that the first place that I go it happens to be like oh okay one of the most distressing science fiction stories ever written. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like hmm. Yeah, you lunge straight for Harlan Ellison. That's an interesting. Yeah, that, that, that'll that'll be that'll be a uh, a crowd pleaser, definitely. That'll <laughs> that'll that'll keep the kids excited. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I'm liking the idea of the design of the character sheet. That's. And I think it could be one of those ones where it's relatively simple, but you've got this kind of set problem that you say, or that you're, that you've got this. That the character sheet is more of a tool. And things mm. to say is like, okay, we're coming up with these these problems. How do we deal with them? And how we deal with them, it's it's. I guess it harks back to one of the things I always liked about the BRP systems that, that Chaosium made for Call of Cthulhu and so forth. That when you had a skill and it was you used the percentile dice, or hail the most holy of of, of dices. These this, this is a new twist on me. That the whole. The, the, <laughs> The, the transcendental perfection of the D100 seems to pass me by somehow. I, I don't know why. I've just I've suddenly picked up this this notion that somehow it is this this, this it is two dice, but it is one dice. It's very very I think very mystical in some ways. And it also does suggest that the yeah, at the other end of the spectrum, the the D4 is the most low of dice, and it's certainly the most malevolent of dice, having stood on one once. Indeed, indeed. That people there are is off recount to that. Um, <laughs> The D4s have caused pain in darkened hallways. Yeah. <laughs> so yes, and, and yes, so the never mind. It doesn't have a bell curve. Um, <laughs> it's D100. <laughs> we, we will go with. Um, I totally distracted myself with the D100 prophetization. What was what were we talking about? I don't know. I got distracted by your your religious fervor. To be honest, yeah. indeed. Uh, um, okay, character sheet. There's defining the problem. All right, right. Yeah. So in, in the games like Call of Cthulhu and, and the like, you would have a skill and a percentile chance to roll under that skill. But 
if you failed, you'd mark experience and the skill would go up because you learned something. Probably not to do that thing. Yeah, don't, don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. And and often games are like, all right, we're accomplishing things. We're doing stuff. Yeah, look at us. Cool. We, we rock. And then at some point, the experience point gets converted into character. This would be different. This would be a different way of doing that. Effectively, you would say, right, I'm running out of card tricks or low magic spells or something but in using them i am i'm advancing myself towards doing something greater i've also got to balance that with not exhausting myself but you are effectively whenever you 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 do something you are moving towards enhancing your character so maybe that's a maybe that's an increase in the feedback of character advancement because yeah this is possibly a the wrong end of the the episode to talk about these things but experience points in any setting is literally just a gating system because you could at any point say oh yeah my character is 10th level now they're really good at stuff isn't it just means when that happens after what events take place and how quickly they might take place before that happens naturally if progression feels like an accomplishment is not too easy and is meted out in a, in a good in a good way it makes for a better experience but it doesn't mean anything because you could just say oh yeah we're rolling up 10th level characters we're going to run we're going to have something like that we're going to run a game at that <laughs> level yeah we're going we're, we're going to do the ravenloft module <laughs> Ooh. roll up 10th level characters that you don't care about yeah but it, it, in any system with the that 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 any system that has that sort of progression that's entirely artificial it's entirely based around how you want to see the characters change so what we can in this situation we have the characters change when they do stuff which would lean towards a more fantastical ephemeral kind of thing it does have that feel that the characters are changing as you watch so yeah hmm could be an interesting take but also they're they're also kind of they're 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 starting to, to gutter out they're literally expending options to move mm. forward so yeah that's interesting vaguely poignant but yeah a little bit yeah because it, it does kind of set up the situation where your characters might win but they've also lost quite a lot of themselves along the way mm. or they've had to make i mean maybe it's like oh, i'm going to be sword guy oh i need to do other things like find a moment of compassion to fix it to to address this issue or something like that so there's got to be the way the problems are presented is going to be pretty interesting. Mm. Cool. Indeed, yeah. Thank you for enduring that philosophical twaddle. It's interesting. It, it's very interesting. Building the character sheets would be an interesting challenge. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that would be... Populating them even more so. Yes, that laying that out, and that would be... If you if you want to talk modules, that would actually be a kind of... Unless, the, unless you have gained a... It doesn't feel like it would be a very generic game. You might not be specifically have. You'd probably you'd be running these sorts of characters and these sorts of stories because it could be if if they didn't interleave properly, it could become very strange. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Very cool. All right. Well, we did have an an audience an audience response for um for the previous episode uh, from John for the Power Drift episode. Which was really more digging into into his whole sort of behind the scenes of a racing team, uh, heavily influenced by Speed Racer uh, notion, mm-hmm. which was mostly John and I kind of kicking stuff back and forth on on the Weemi channel. So um, so John John wrote, I really do like the concept of the GM playing the NPC driver, sort of like a hyper version of Michael Schumacher driver, like nut. I'm giving a flux on the number two variator. Can you do something about it? Chief Mechanic, sipping a coffee, slowly resenting the driver and really hating his nickname, which other folks are now using. Let me look. Sips his coffee. Nah, it looks fine. Just do a fine adjust to 33 degrees right and then tip the inclination back four stops. Driver. What? How? There's no control for that! On the dash! Mechanic, taking a long, audible sip of his coffee. Well, sucks to be you then. (laughs) To which Craig responded. I have this image of someone bursting into the pit garage and breathlessly announcing that the driver has been kidnapped. After a long pause where no one reacts, Lugnut eventually finishes coffee, 
sighs, and starts to organise the most reluctant rescue mission in the history. And John came back with, So, Sip, you sure he's been kidnapped? French fries, the appellation hung on the young pit crew member by Driver, that's Carl Driver, nods his <laughs> head and holds out a piece of paper. With exaggerated moves, Lugnut carefully wipes his hands and takes a note, reads it. If we tell the cops, they'll off him. All we have to do is sit tight and wait until the driver gets disqualified for not showing up for the pre-race meeting. Grease gun, let the cops know. He held up his hand to stop everybody from shouting at him. But let them know it has to stay on the QT. Jack stand, he called out to the lanky mechanic sitting on a tyre. You put driver's clothes and wear his sunglasses. You're going to the pre-race for him. Jesus, luck nut. Again, I know the local commissioner knows that driver has missed at least four pre-races in the past three months. One day he'll call me out. Hopefully not today. All right, who's stupid enough to kidnap Driver? <laughs> I reckon he doesn't know he's kidnapped, stated Lynchpin, the team pit boss. He probably got wasted and somebody took advantage of that. He's probably partying like a madman and doesn't know he's their prisoner. But he'd want to leave eventually. Ah, uh, I know who's got him. McPherson. The SOB is using the Duchess to keep Driver busy. Like that, pondered for a moment. Okay, that means he's still in this hotel, but on McPherson's floor. All right, Operation Maid Service. <laughs> yes. I, I like that idea as well. Just sort of the the well, basically the notion of the driver is actually somebody that the players can't stand but have to work with. Because as a GM, having very occasionally run into the the thing where you've managed to create an antagonist who the party really hates but can't get rid of, just warms my cold, dead, shriveled heart. And so the notion of 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 doing that, where you've got this complete annoyance that is Driver, who they can't get rid of because they need him, but at the same time, he's a complete idiot. That that would be fun. Yeah, uh, Carl Driver. <laughs> um. Well, as I understand it, Speed Racer was his actual name, the Racer family. Yes, and it was definitely not a reference to his long-standing sta- long meth habit. Um. <laughs> wow! <laughs> Go speed racer indeed. No. <laughs> wow. Oh wow, I didn't even think of that one. <laughs> Sorry, I've watched too much Adventure Brothers to take anything like that <laughs> entirely seriously. <laughs> Apparently. Somebody who only does his best driving when his eyes are spinning in different directions. The rest of the time he spends talking to a monkey. I did hear a story about it was a New Zealand uh, author. Actually, no, we'll leave Barry Crump out of this one. (laughs) Wow! Um, Yes, I have heard stories of what happens when truck drivers get hold of specific industry performance-enhancing substances and overdo it. The, The particular story I heard involved somebody finding a truck stopped at the middle of the road at the end of these very long streaks of rubber where somebody had jammed on the brakes... And to find the driver searching around in the the, um, the undergrowth by the side of the road because the little naked man with the umbrella who'd been running along in the headlights had suddenly tripped and fallen under the wheels. They took the pills off him after that one. <laughs> As you should. As yeah. you absolutely should. Mm. I, I'm kind of hoping that's apocryphal. It, it doesn't sound apocryphal enough. No. <laughs> so, yes, that is... I see a lot of potential in the idea of a hapless pit crew support slash contends with their prima donna driver and having it being a globe-trotting espionage slash racing rally extravaganza in yep. the yeah in 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 like it, yeah in the manner of speed racer or something like that it is a kind of a 60s 70s kind of fabulous um cars are cars are amazing and sexy kind of vibe but mm, cannonball run depending on how comedic you wanted to go with it mm-hmm. yeah like it yeah wacky and the, you know, somewhere somewhere in the wacky races mm. not quite the italian job but a little bit <laughs> yeah uh, quite, quite, i'm quite quite pleased with that the way that um that developed so that could definitely be an interesting take on a game where the gm is playing the most annoying npc well an, an annoying npc not the most annoying npc hopefully 
Mm. But the, the players find that they are, they are unwittingly adopted. Yes. Yeah, you'd want to, as a GM, you'd want to have a light touch on it. Mm. Like, I've, I've been in games where there is the annoying NPC that you can't get rid of because they are the, the core of the game. Right. And the well, GM has just leaned so heavily on that pain in the ass button that... Yeah, I mean, that, that, that borders on domestic abuse. Pretty much, yeah. I, I have been in the occasional game where it's just a, you know, I could just stop playing this game, and that's the thing that... Yeah, everyone would be happier. <laughs> yeah. Um, I guess, actually, the th- the idea would be for the players to to choose the form of the of the, of the Traveller and come <laughs> up with their own take on the uh the driver and how and how they support them so essentially they're instead of instead of building just having come up with a a a a random dickhead you're coming up with somebody that their character has challenges dealing with but they have skills also to help that's a very specific sort of dickhead not just a randomly generated dickhead indeed indeed And, and the idea is these these people are genuinely extremely good at racing cars they might just be shocking at everything else right so this is in fact death clock <laughs> from metalocalypse yeah it could be i need to watch more death clock except you are the support crew for death clock except without the horrifying deaths yes all right so with with that in mind i think we've we've reached the the natural conclusion of our episode and mm-hmm. since no time agents have turned up to tell me otherwise I'm going to assume this is the time, I guess, to announce what the next episode will be. Indeed. To which I will hand over to known human Ben to announce it. <laughs> hey, alleged human. Certainly human sympathizer Ben <laughs> to announce the topic for episode 144. And fortuitously, for our 144th episode, we have the suggestion... Your vile human secretions. Gross. Yep, that's that's awful. We are going to regret this a lot, I think. I'm already regretting it, and I'm strangely <laughs> comfortable with that. <laughs> so, that that is the episode prompt, which now means that we need to tell you what you, the audience, will be voting on for episode 145. Indeed. Democracy is back in fashion, so... First up, in a we few have, places at least. <laughs> yeah, here and there, sporadic, gasping. <laughs> um, yes. First up, we have X Kills Y by Spambot Tony Birch. Perennial non-favorite. <laughs> Following that, we have The Case of the Accidental Battered Sausage from Alex. Speaking of domestic abuse. Oh, wow. Oh, oh, that just gets worse the more I think of it. Oh, why would you do that? Have you watched The Good Place? Uh, I watched a couple of episodes and then... Stop? Uh, it's it's definitely the best sitcom about moral philosophy that has ever been made. And is also really good. I don't currently have access to the Netflixes, so uh, um, oh well. it, it, it is lost to me. It, it it will be around, I'm sure. But mm. there is uh, the the minions of hell have a running bit about penis flattening. So, <laughs> okay, yes, <laughs> it's all very normal. And following dire- directly on from that is our third option, which is life cover no longer required, supplied by a former flatmate of Craig's. And finally, we have Transformers. Plus a thousand years, which I forgot to note down where that came from. Uh, Constructicon, apparently, oh. of one of our one of our threads, I think. Transformers plus a thousand years, suggested by Constructicon. So that makes sense. There are your uh, there are your options. I I don't think it's too grandiose to say that the fate of episode one hundred and forty five rests in your culpable hands, audience. Indeed, and we will need your assistance, having presumably buried the needle on whatever the hell episode 144 is about. Well, vile human secretions, obviously. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <sighs> wow. This is a new low. 
I mean, I'd say we're scraping the bottom of the barrel, but apparently what we're scraping up is secretions. <laughs> but secreted by what? Oh, vile humans. Ah, that question answered after all these years. Yeah, but it does very much give you the idea of that scene from uh, Aliens with some sort of secretion. But secreted by what? Just this flashback to a bunch of people just walking around gobbing on things. <laughs> and both looping back to our things about COVID and James Cameron. Wow! We closed the loop! <laughs> Indeed. Now time can collapse in on itself and we can all rest. Yeah, we can forget that this horrible episode ever happened. <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed. Let the continuum just seal itself off and this this part of null time can never uh, harm anyone again. It can drift off into the void like a roadside services floating in space. <laughs> <sighs> wow. And with that last Sapphire and Steel riff, we bid you all a fond farewell and see you next time. <sighs> Good night, listener. Catch you next time. Good night. Want to hear more of our shenanigans? Then go to hoarde.net and click on the button that looks like a couch. The Big Red Couch is released under Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike 3.0 Unported from creativecommons.org. All music on the show comes from the album Universal Fluff Theory by Krakatoa. Visit them at krakatoa.com or follow the link from our page. See you next time.